Hello there once again, fellow peregrinos. Welcome to episode 50, 5-0, half a century of El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast, where we talk about planning, preparation, and packing for walking the road to Santiago, as well as tips, tricks, and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. This week, we're talking to a voice artist, a musician, a Camino de Santiago author, Blake Farha. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you with us, Blake. So, Blake, imagine we're on the Camino del Norte, where you started your Camino before you went on to the Camino Primitivo on your way to Santiago. Yeah. Um, imagine we're sitting in San Sebastian having a beer we've just met, and um, I ask you the big question. Why did you decide to walk the Camino? That is a very loaded question. Uh, I imagine you must get very long responses, so I'll try to keep Feel mine short. Feel free to be elaborate. No, the, the, we, we like a story, so go for it. Okay. Well, the first time I heard about the Camino was in 2011. Uh, I was 25 years old. I was teaching English in a, a very small city uh, in France called Auxerre. And, uh, you know, I was coming to the end of my contract there and I had recently broken up with my, my then girlfriend who was French. Uh, and so my plans to move to, to be with her and where she was living in Munich at the time were up in the air and I had no idea what I was going to do. And a friend of mine sort of mentioned, he was a, a teacher as well. And so he, uh, I, I worked with him and he, he mentioned the Camino. He, he was the first person that I'd ever heard talk about the Camino de Santiago. And I was just immediately entranced. I, uh, I was immediately just taken by this idea, taken by this this idea of walking across Spain, where I had lived already for six months uh, as a student in college. So spending six months walking across Spain, the countryside, the adventure, the outdoors, you know, the the chance to get some perspective and look inside myself and try to find those answers that I was so desperately seeking at the time. You know, I was 24 years old. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know how to be the artist that I always felt I was. And I thought that the Camino would be a great way to, um, you know, find a bit of space and a bit of perspective to think about those things. In the end, I decided to move back to the United States and pursue my uh, my dreams of becoming a musician. Um, and so the Camino kind of had to wait. And there were sort of several other times throughout my life where I really wanted to walk the Camino. It was always in the back of my mind. I'd never forgotten about it, but every time I wanted to do it, it just something else kind of came up, something else got in the way. And so it wasn't until 2017, so what, six years after I'd heard about the community for the first time, uh, I was working at a startup uh, here in Berlin. I'd moved to Berlin in 2014. I got a job and I'd been working at this startup for about three and a half years. And I was one of the first employees at this company. And... Um, Yeah, so the, there was, you know, we had seen better times, I'll put it that way, and things were looking a bit scary at this company. Uh, and uh, the investors wanted the company to turn a profit, and it didn't look like that was going to happen anytime soon. So they decided to uh, have, basically, they, they cut the staff in half. And I was informed uh, surreptitiously on the balcony of this uh, uh, office that we were over, that our, that our, uh, that our yeah, this, this building that our balcony, sorry, this balcony that our our building uh, had, and it overlooked all of Berlin. My boss called me out there very quietly, and, and he called me, pulled me aside, and he said, you know, I'm really sorry, I have to inform you, but your name's on the list, and I know you've been here a long time, and I wanted to tell you before we actually fire you, so that you know, kind of, just out of respect. 
So I went back to my desk and I sat there and I was just numb. You know, it was it was a it was a totally unexpected blow. I was like the eighth employee at this company. I'd been there through thick and thin. I dedicated so much of my time and energy and effort to helping build this company. And to be fired like that for no reason other than the company wasn't doing well, I was just like uh, devastated and really confused. And I remember sitting there and I thought like the first thing that came to my mind was me. Like they're firing me after everything I've done for this company. And then the second thought was, screw it then. I'm walking the Camino. That's it. And that was it. That was when I decided right then. And that was in uh, May, very end of May 2017. And I started walking in, in the middle of August 2017. So it sounds like you took, um, you made a positive out of a negative. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, you know, uh, my mom told me this when I was a, lo- when I was a young man, that uh, getting fired is often the best thing that can happen for you. Uh, it usually either means that you're not doing a good job because you're not good at the thing you're doing or that the company you're working for doesn't appreciate how good you are at it and therefore why would you waste your time continuing with them. Hmm. And I don't know which in this case, well, I mean, in this case, I have, an, I have a personal inkling as to which one it was, but uh, <laughs> we won't go into that. In any case, you know, it was very good and the last three years have been crazy and terrifying but extraordinarily positive. And they started off with walking the Camino, which was, you know, easy. It's easy to say it was one of the most beautiful, certainly one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Now, you mentioned you were captivated, drawn into, hooked into the countryside, the adventure, the outdoors, obviously living in a city. Maybe that's something that's in short supply. So is that why you chose the Camino del Norte and then to walk on to the Primitivo? No, I chose initially the Frances, and then as I was uh, doing a lot of research and I was getting some tips and advice from a lot of people that I knew who had done it or who had, you know, had friends who had done it, I called one of my friends uh, back in Austin and uh, where I was living before I moved to Berlin and asked her about it. She'd done it twice, and I was getting some tips on some shoes, which I'm sure we'll come to later. And uh, yeah, I mentioned to her that I was going to walk the, the Frances, and she was like, okay, first let's talk about your shoes. Done. We've talked about your shoes now. Now, please listen to me. You cannot walk the Camino Frances in August. You absolutely cannot do it. She was like, I've done it before. I've done it twice. Uh, I did it once. And I think she said it. she did it in like March and she did it again in August. And she was like, August, it's just like Disneyland. It's a never ending sea of people. It's a rush to get a bed. It's just a, it's just if what you're looking for is solitude and beauty and quiet and peace in order to think then I really can't, she basically begged me, like, please do not go on the Frances. So at the last minute, I decided to change to the Norte, which was one of the, according to what research I did, was is one of the like lesser traveled Caminos. Okay, so let's, delve, let's dive a little bit into your own personal Camino, just before we talk about the, the practicalities. Sure. And you can go into as much detail as, as you're comfortable with. So don't Great, feel forced you. to talk about anything that you're not comfortable talking about. But what I picked out of what you said there was you needed time to think. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming there was some professional dilemmas going through your heads from some professional questions because of what had happened with your job. Um, but what else did you need to think about because there'll be, there'll be a lot of people that are doing the Camino because they need to think as well. So you've chosen a place where you get more tranquility, a bit more peace, less mm. people to have that that space. So what was it you needed to think about, Blake? Well, you you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I was it was a moment of certainly like 
personal uh, uncertainty in terms of my career. Uh, you know, I'd given up on the dream of being a musician and I'd come to Berlin. I had a normal job. I worked at a startup, so I, as I mentioned, and so I, I basically did a thousand different jobs within the same company, as is often the case at a startup. And when it was all over, you know, and I'd lost this job, I was really faced with this, this professional dilemma. So that was a big part of what I wanted to go and think about was like, what do I want to do with all this artistic desire that I have and these creative endeavors that I that I really want to pursue? But more more importantly, and what had kind of always called me about the Camino um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've suffered my entire life from depression and severe depression and severe anxiety. And I mean, you know, suicide has always been sort of in the back of my head as kind of a plan B. And to be quite frank, you know, I think that for a long time, I couldn't imagine a world in which I didn't end in suicide. I couldn't imagine a world in which my life didn't end that way. And, you know, I'd been to therapy many times and I'd seen, I'd sought professional help. And at the time that I did the Camino, I was currently back in therapy. And uh, I, I, my therapist and I both agreed that it might give me, it might be the kind of thing that would give me the time and the space to really cement a lot of the uh, you know, sort of new habits and processes that we were working on building together, the new mental attitudes, the new ideas, the new sort of pathways and mental patterns uh, that that we've been working on together. Our hope was that by going on the Camino, I would be, you know, alone and I would have a lot of the distractions of normal life away so that I could just focus on those new ways of thinking. And my greatest hope, you know, I mean, of course, I wanted the adventure and I wanted the excitement and I just loved the idea of being outside all day. But I really hoped that I would find some semblance of peace or a North Star, something to help ground me, something to help understand more, more deeply my depression and my anxiety and where all these feelings of low self-worth were coming from uh, and how to, how to live with them more appropriately in a way that allowed me to enjoy life and in a way that you know, could maybe dispel this uh, specter of suicide, which was kind of always on the back of my mind. Um, so those were, the, those were the things that I really went out to tackle. Okay. I mean, there's so much to, to go into there, there Blake, yeah. and a lot of it I would probably be out of my depth in trying to <laughs> to, to go into yeah. with you, so I wouldn't even dare to do that or do you that disservice. But if it's okay with you, we'll come sure. back to these these issues, these challenges that you had, um, because as you're saying these words, like, my heart is literally going out to you, my friend, you know, it's like... <laughs> I, you know, not sympathetically, but human to human. I'm like, well, sure, I, I've seen my, my brother. I've seen my brother go through a very similar thing. And it was very emotional for me to see him go through this. And he did come through it. And and uh, probably would hate me for even mentioning this. But he did <laughs> come through it. And um, and when I, I, there was a point where I thought he wouldn't. And he did. Yeah. And, Great. you know, very glad to hear that. better than I ever imagined that he would come through it. And he's like a different man now. He really, really is. And Wonderful. you know, the, the secret that he said to me was, you know, just turn the attention away from yourself. Um, and you know, getting married and having two kids, I feel think helped him do that. To yeah, be honest I with can you. imagine. So, <laughs> if it's okay with you, we can come back to the end and frame the whole your whole Camino. You know, your your professional challenges, your personal challenges. Sure. And so we'll visit that at the end, if that's all right. Of course, yeah. Good stuff. So I've put that on my on my notes to to come back at the end because I think it will be a perfect way to to frame it. So you're packing your bags. You've got these issues you want to deal with. I imagine you were to go 
tomorrow, perhaps in more light-hearted circumstances, or mm. you know, your motivations might be just to escape from the city, like you've just done on your holiday around Germany, like you explained to me in the pre-interview chat. Um, what would yeah. be the first three things that you'd put in your backpack? Uh, the first three things I'd put in my backpack, uh, I'd say a pair, a good pair of walking sticks, a pen and a notebook, which count mm -hmm. as one item really. And something, something cozy, something, something a bit luxurious, uh, something like, a, I don't know, like a fleece hoodie or a nice soft shirt or maybe some flannel pants. Those would be my three things. Okay, so we said it was a pen and notebook, your walking sticks, and something to feel a little bit comfortable with. So when you finish walking yeah. at the end of the day, it's a nice way to to kick back. Yeah, when I was on the when I was on the Camino, I packed. I mean, the most Spartanly packed backpack of anyone I think who's ever walked the Camino. I, and there was nothing in it. I think my whole kit weighed like backpack and all. I think everything weighed like I want to say like nine kilograms it was almost nothing mm. uh, and while it made the walking a lot easier something i did miss especially because i walked in august and september and there were some definitely some evenings that were a lot colder and the albergues aren't particularly like uh there aren't always uh, it's not exactly the ritz carlton <clears throat> there were certainly a few nights where i wished really that i'd had something just really comfortable to wear something that was made like you know a fleece because all i had was my t-shirts that i walked in which were these like hiking shirts and like um a waterproof sort of uh, windbreaker jacket. So just not comfortable at all, but very practical. And there were so many nights where I thought, God, I would really love to curl up just with a fleece or a flannel or something soft, you know, <laughs> to, just to give me a bit of comfort in this like very Spartan trip that I'm on. <clears throat> well, that's part of the challenge. But the takeaway from what you're saying is, I think, is that even in the height of summer, it can get cold in the mornings and at night. So make sure yeah. you do have something warm. Now, um, since you're a musician and a writer, an author, and your Camino book is called? It's called Lost on the Way. Right. Lovely title. And I'm going to ask you the big million dollar question here. Dilla? I just said Dilla right. then, didn't I? I meant to say dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Dilla. I don't even know what a Dilla is. Anyway, um, so would you carry your notebook and pen with you or would it be your mobile in your hand? I'm intrigued as a fellow musician and writer. Notebook and pen. I write all my lyrics uh, and I write uh, when I journal, when I think. I, I always write with a pen and paper. Good stuff. <clears throat> okay. Now, there's no right or wrong answer there. Just intrigued and just find yeah. out my own personal interest. Okay. So you, the Camino del Norte, where did you start? I started, uh, well, I started started in Irun, but I arrived in um, Bayonne, which is just the, the, French, the first French city on the other side of uh, the Spanish border. Right, and then how I arrived you... there. I took a took a train to Irun, and from Irun, I stayed the first night in a pilgrim hostel there, and then the next day I, I began my Camino to San Sebastian. Okay, so that could be a potential starting route for some people interested in the Norte. Go to Bayonne, and then get a a train from there. And... Yeah, I uh, it was hmm. very easy to get a. I flew from Berlin to Paris, Paris to Bayonne. I had a bus. And if I had been a little more understanding of what exactly the Camino was and how it worked, I would have just started walking then. Because, in fact, I waited around Bayonne all day to get a train to Irun, but the Camino goes to, to Irun. I could have easily walked. So I think Bayonne would actually make a great place to start the, uh, the, the Norte. How long is the trip journey, just out of interest, from Bayonne to Irun? Uh, by train, it was like 40 minutes. Oh, right. So you could so probably get a walk in a day, more be. or less, or a couple of days. 
Yeah, I reckon you could definitely walk in in a day. And if not, then you can. I, I actually, you have to pass through Biarritz, which is one of the most like famous beach towns in France. So uh, mm, if there's a pilgrim nice. hostel there, I think it'd be a great place to stop. Yeah, love it. Biarritz is an amazing place. I I stopped by there on, on my first Camino actually before I did the Francis. Yeah, loved it. Um, okay, so you've uh, made your way to Irun, and I've heard the first few days doing the doing the Camino del Norte are very tough, lots of ups and downs. Correct. Yeah, that's right. It's very, very hilly, very, very mountainous. Right. A lot of okay. up and down. Okay. And um, any mistakes you feel like you made at the start that you were you to go again, you wouldn't make or you would advise someone not to make if they were to go tomorrow? I would say don't underestimate the power of good walking sticks. I actually came with none. And within the first few days, I started having knee problems, uh, but not from the Camino, from a, uh, like a past injury. And it just started to flare up right before I went on the Camino. Mm. Uh, and when I, I think I was walking for about an hour and then I just looked around the forest and found like two nice big walking sticks and I kept them with me for the rest of the, for the rest of the Camino. Definitely bring walking sticks, especially on the, on the, the Norte and the Primitivo because there is so much up and down and it does so much to relieve uh, pressure from your ankles and from your knees. It does so much to actually help propel you forward if you walk correctly with them so that you get a, you can walk a little faster. Uh, and they keep you from slipping and falling because they kind of act as like a third leg, you know, as you're going up and down. So they're, they, they just basically turn your arms into legs. So you can kind of be like a four-legged creature as opposed to a two-legged <laughs> one. Yeah, right. which keeps you from falling so much. So I love, I love that definitely take walking sticks. Right, good description. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to add anything to that because you've, uh, you've just described it and sold it to me. So thanks for that, Blake. Um, so <laughs> you, are you a regular hiker back home, something you normally do? Uh, I love to hike, and I, I wouldn't say I'm like, uh, uh, it's it's definitely one of my favorite hobbies. I don't do it all the time, but I'll put it this way. Any chance I get, I go hiking, and if I'm faced with the difference, like if I'm faced with a decision between spending all day walking around a city or spending all day walking like and hiking in nature, I'll always take hiking in nature every time. Okay. Now, um, any experience with uh, any advice you can give with caring for your feet? Because that's obviously a massive, really important part. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that I, I think that one of the best things that I did for myself, and I got this from a, from a, a Camino book, uh, all about like, you know, preparing yourself for the Camino. Uh, I started lotioning my feet with like specific foot cream, foot lotion every single day. And I think for about two months before I went on the Camino or a month before I went on the Camino. And then every day while I was on the Camino, that was the first thing I did after my shower, I would, I would lotion my feet. Uh, reason for that being that it, it, it creates, it makes your skin soft and pliable. And what creates blisters is the, like the, the friction of your unmoving skin rubbing against something. So when your skin is very soft and very pliable, it, instead of rubbing against the inside of your shoe, the skin just moves with it. Uh, it sort of goes back and forth with it. So you can prevent blisters by keeping your skin really nice and soft. Uh, that's the number one thing that I would say. And the second thing is, uh, make sure that your pair of shoes, whatever you, whatever shoes you decide on are, I would say a good two sizes too big, whatever, whatever size you usually buy, go two sizes up. Okay. Um, so soft and pliable skin from the applying the lotion yeah. before you started walking every day. And after that was what you said, correct? Yeah, and then and then every every day that I was on the Camino, I, I would lotion was my feet as soon as I got. Was there a specific lotion that you used? A specific cream? You know what? Brand? I used. I I was on a budget. I just lost my job, and so I was like, everything that I was buying was the cheapest stuff I could find. And I actually found this foot cream, believe it or not, at a dollar store. Um, and it was just a little canister for a dollar. And uh, 
I think honestly, any lotion will work. Anything that's moisturizing, I think yeah. will be will be just fine. Yeah, yeah, great advice. I mean, I can talk from experience and say that works for me as well. And yeah. to repeat the advice we've given in previous podcasts, that's which you, the listeners, can can take or leave, is really, really, I found it useful. You're saying the same as well to make sure you put aside maybe 10, 15 minutes before you get on the road every day just to Vaseline your feet or put some yeah. lotion on your feet. So like you said, that skin is soft and pliable and yeah. actually working with the friction rather than creating the friction. So Exactly, yeah. Um, okay, good stuff. And so we don't get to talk very often about the Camino del Norte because it's one of the less trodden routes. I think it's the mm. third I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, the third most walked Camino routes behind the Camino Frances and the Camino Portugues. Is there a favorite alberg, one you could recommend, one that stands out, and tell us why? Absolutely. So on the Camino del Norte, uh, I can't. On the Camino del Norte specifically, I can't recall off the top of my head right now which one I liked. But as I said, I took the Primitivo after like midway through, and on the Primitivo is an albergue in a city called. called uh, let me see. I just wrote this down in my notes here. It's called the city is called Bodenaya, and it's a very it's a small albergue. I think it I think it's it, it can uh, hold about twenty people, and uh, it was it was maybe my I think it was my favorite hostel on the whole Camino. It was beautiful. It wasn't exactly in the most beautiful spot, uh, but what was really great about it was that the the hospitalero there he asked us all like we had a communal dinner. It was all cooked together, so we had this wonderful dinner all together that was cooked by the hospitalero. And in the morning, we all agreed together what time we were going to wake up. So we all agreed as a as an albergue, okay, we're going to wake up. I think we woke up at like 6.53. So he set an alarm, and at 6.53, we were awoken to the song uh, Ave Maria, which is a beautiful uh, song, and the smell of coffee. And we all came down and had wonderful breakfast together. And, you know, so much of the Camino, uh, if there's breakfast or, or at the albergues, it's it's like little cookies or little pieces of like white bread and just some jam. But there we had this delicious black coffee and this like really thick, like just hearty whole wheat bread and some Nutella. And it was just a nice change of pace. And the fact that we were all moving together and getting up together, it really created a beautiful moment um, that, I, yeah, that I really, really enjoyed. So two questions stand out from that. Yeah. First of all, the name of the Albert, can you remember it? I don't remember the name of the albergue, but it's the only one in Bodenaya. If you go to Bodenaya, like, uh, th then you have to stay in this albergue. And the problem with this albergue is that you can reserve a spot at this albergue from the previous albergue, which is in, let me look very quickly, Bodenaya, uh, for, in a city called San Juan de Villa Pañada, which is maybe my second favorite albergue in the entire Camino that I, that I experienced. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, albergue, which also only, I think, only has room for about 20 people. Uh, and the hospitaleros from these two uh, albergues, they work together or they know each other. So if you stay at the, at the albergue in San Juan de Villa Pañada, uh, which is in the mountains, it's beautiful. It has an amazing view and a beautiful garden. Um, then you can reserve a space at the one in Bodenaya. And oh. if you go to the one in Bodenaya and you don't have a space, then you just have to keep walking because there's no other albergue. <laughs> Okay, well, I have just, while you've been giving that very, very useful information, thank you so much. The albergue is just called Albergue de Peregrinos Bodenaya. And Bodenaya is go. spelled B-O-D-E-N-A-Y-A. B-O-D-E-N-A-Y-A. It's got 205 reviews, 
4.9 out of 5. So, great stuff. That's answered one of my questions. The other question I had is, why 653? Uh, you know, great question. I guess because it was a good compromise. I think some of the pilgrims were... It was, it was an interesting uh, group of people that... It was quite diverse. There were a handful of people who were maybe in their 60s there and then all the way down to, you know, people in their early 20s. So it was quite a diverse group of people. I think a lot of them would have on their own volition gotten up at 5 a.m. And a lot of them would have gotten up at 9 a.m. So I think 653 was just a comfortable place for us to land. <laughs> OK, so it was a compromise, team compromise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Good stuff. And please, if you wouldn't mind recommending a town, city, village, hidden gem or must see somewhere along the Norte or the Primitivo or both if you prefer. Let's see a hidden gem. Uh, you know, I, for me, the Camino was, was the hidden gem. So I, I didn't really pay too much attention to a lot of the cities that I, that I, uh, visited. I, you know, I was just happy to be on the Camino and I happened to be walking with a small group of people that I kind of accumulated who were just wonderful. And so I, I honestly didn't really pay too much attention. I will say, however, there were a few places that I really did enjoy. Uh, so on the Camino del Norte, it's the third it's the third city that you come to from Irun. It's uh, after San Sebastian, and it's a city called Zarautz, uh, and that's spelled Z-A-R-A-U-T-Z. It's a super small place. There, you, I mean, you you blink and you've already walked through it. But the Albergue is a stone's throw away from a beautiful beach and the waves when I was there were just amazing So I spent the whole day body surfing and beautiful. like just sitting on sitting on this beautiful beach And it has a really nice um, What do you call it? like a promenade? So there are you know, it's Spain So everyone's just outdoors and walking around. So that was a really fun city uh, as well on the Primitivo uh, There's a city called um, Called Janes. That's the L-L-A-N-E-S and there's there are a lot of films a lot of Spanish films that are made there so it's a fairly large city, and it's quite well known for its film industry. Uh, it has a beautiful, very small beach with really like crystalline waters, uh, and it's just kind of a, a nice city. It's just it was I, I really enjoyed it there. So I'd say those two are worth a, a visit. And of course, like the obvious uh, San Sebastian and Bilbao, if you have the time, spend some time in those cities. If you need a place to stay for an extra day, you can spend a few days in those cities and still not see them all. And lastly, there's a city. Uh, I think it's. I believe it's on the Norte, not the Primitivo. No, it is on the Primitivo, excuse me. Uh, it's called Lugo, and it's um, that's L-U-G-O. Beautiful city and uh, home to the longest unbroken Roman walls in all the world. So these walls are like 2,000 years old, and they, they surround the entire city. They're two kilometers long. Uh, really beautiful place. A lot of cool bars and a lot of really cool restaurants. We had a, it's, 100, it's exactly 100 kilometers from Santiago. So when we got there... We had a bit of a party, my friends and I, uh, and we stayed out much later than we should have and stayed at a really nice big hostel. So we all slept in the next day. It was really great. Some amazing <laughs> recommendations there. Zarautz, which is, like uh, like you said, on the beach. And yeah, nice place right. to go body surfing, get in the water, which I'm guessing was lovely at that time of the year. Um, yeah, it was. The Lugo, which you said um, obviously is in Galicia, 100 kilometers from Santiago. And that's got the longest unbroken Roman wall. So a bit of history and sightseeing there. Yeah. And while I was taking notes, I just you just said it a bit too quickly for me, the place that you sandwiched in between there. Uh, Yanez. 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 How do you spell That's that? That's right. Double, uh, L-L-A-N-S. Uh, L sorry, L-L-A-N-E-S. 
Yanis. Okay, L L A N E S. And famous in the film industry, so that's right. Yeah, it's good for the Spanish superstars. It's good for us, us pilgrims as well. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so Blake, we're going to jump into some quick fire questions now. Okay, Go ahead. I don't know why I'm starting to say them quick up, but anyway, I'll try and stay on the same speed, but. And the short, sharp, sweet answers would be lovely. Okay, so Great. apart from your own book, which is called Lost on the Way by Blake Farhar, go out and get it, everybody. It's just come out. There's been snippets of it on Instagram, and I've been reading it and very much enjoyed it. So I'm sure you will too. And apart from your own book, uh, not it's not a book, is it? It's a book. And apart from your own book, Blake, um, one would you recommend? I honestly have not read it many. Uh, in fact, I, I, re I read one, but I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, it's called A Sense of Direction, and it was okay. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't in love with it. Um, but uh, I will say a, a book that I read that I definitely recommend, which maybe it doesn't count, but it's called Pilgrim Tips and Packing List hmm. by a woman called Sybil Yates. She's walked the Camino, I think, seven times. Amazing book. Uh, it, that book is the reason why I had such a successful Camino. I highly recommend it. I think you can get it for three euro on, on, on Amazon as an ebook. Pilgrim Tips and Packing List. That's the book to go for, for the, yeah. for, yeah, for your preparation. How That's about, right. um, uh, you, this could be, you can pass on this one, having got one, but for a favorite forum or Facebook group. Uh, I don't really have one, but there are a lot on, there are a lot on, uh, Instagram that are really great. Uh, not not uh, not excluding your own uh, now. As a matter of fact, the Pilgrims Podcast is quite a growing uh, Instagram page, uh, and I really like um, uh, El Camino People. I think is really nice. Jose, uh, as well. yeah, he's he's really lovely, and uh, they they post really wonderful content. And uh, uh, I really like as well um, El Camino para Latinos, uh, which uh, if you're not Latino, that means uh, the Camino for Latinos. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on there as well. So if you happen to speak, it's mostly Spanish speaking. So if you happen to be speaking Spanish, that's a good one as well. Muy bien. Okay. Favorite yeah. film or, or vlog? Uh, I don't have any. I actually find that films about the Camino de Santiago fall very short of uh, really capturing the beauty and the wonder of it all. So I'm not a big fan. Hmm. I, I, you know what? I know that everyone raves about the way, and I do think it's a good film, but I do think it misses a lot for me personally. But anyway. Uh, I could talk about that all day. I think it misses so much. And also, I, I must say, the Camino itself is such an incredible adventure. I was annoyed that they felt they had to throw in all of these like mini adventures that he goes on. I just thought, not necessary for him to lose his backpack in the river. You know, it just the, <laughs> the Camino is plenty interesting enough. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. That's a topic for another, maybe a, a movie review Indeed. podcast. But yeah, we both, uh, we both agree on that one. Favorite food and or drink on the Camino? Well, uh, I will say this. If you happen to be going through um, uh, the Basque country, uh, eat as many pinchos as you can. So pinchos are spelled P-I-N-T-X-O-S. And they're essentially like Basque tapas. They're the tapas that they make specific in the Basque country. They're amazing. They're just, they're the craziest things that you can, I mean, you, you can't imagine what's all on them. So definitely those. And I will say this, for breakfast, uh, there's nothing better and any break that you have, tortilla and black coffee. Go to any cafe, doesn't matter where, you're always going to get a delicious tortilla uh, and black coffee. And that's all the protein and power you need to keep going for the next, the next leg of your journey. Aside from something comfortable like a flannel, fleece or something like that what would be one other thing you wished you'd packed you know honestly i don't wish i'd packed anything i'm gonna be i i i really felt very happy having nothing and the less i had the happier i was and uh, so i would say to, i would say to anyone pack as little as you possibly can it's 
a beautiful experience owning and having nothing. Love it. One thing you didn't need and wouldn't take again. Uh, duct tape. Now, uh, that, I got that idea from Sybil, her uh, book, uh, but I actually never used it. And I wound up giving it away halfway through the Camino. I would not take duct tape. One place you wished you'd stay over on the Norte or the Primitivo? There, you know, there were so many beautiful spots that I could have stayed at anywhere with a beach, anywhere there's a beach. You know, I, I told myself I'd take a day off and rest and just spend a day at the beach, but I never did. I couldn't, I couldn't resist the call of the Camino. Uh, but I would say if you find a beach and you need a rest, take a day off and enjoy the beach. A quote or some meditations for the road. A quote or some meditations for the road. Hmm. Goodness. Uh, <clears throat> Maybe from your own yeah. book. Uh, I'll I'll say this. This was this was my this was my meditation that got me through the entire Camino, and it's a, a line from Jack Kerouac, mm -hmm. uh, one of the beat poets. Love that uh, poet. Love that. He said, on the road. "Yeah, exactly." In that book, he says, "The road is life," uh, and that was my mantra the whole time. It really every time my brain started getting anxious or worried. Uh, about what I was doing and what am I doing with my life and why am I even here? I'd just be like, no, the road is life. This is what you're supposed to be doing. This is living. By being on this road, you're alive. You're living. So just relax. And that helped me a lot. A guilty pleasure you carried with you. A guilty pleasure I carried with me. Mm. Uh, none. You know, I was raised Catholic, so I, uh, I learned the art of being Spartan and self-sacrifice at a young age. Uh, I didn't bring anything that was even remotely not necessary, so I didn't have one. <laughs> so next time it'll be the, uh, the fleece or, the, or something cozy, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. good stuff. So um, I'd like to go back to the main discussion now. Feel free to elaborate more with these answers. One of the things that addicts people to the Camino is the, the stories, the special encounters that you ordinarily wouldn't experience in everyday life. I wonder if you yeah. can recall a funny, inspiring or quirky moment, story, encounter that embodies everything that's good about the Camino. God, that is a hard thing to do. Let me, you, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, so when I finished the Camino, um, the last day we were in Finisterre and I was very fortunate. I'd kind of gathered this like motley crew of people who I just met throughout the, the Camino and we, we wound up just walking basically together from almost the entire thing. And, uh, at the end, so at the end where we were in Finisterre, we we're uh, on the cliff, we're watching the sunset, we're drinking red wine. And I looked at the people that I was sitting with and I was with like a 72 year old Canadian, uh, about a 20, 28-year-old Danish woman, uh, I think about a 27-year-old Ukrainian woman, a 25-year-old Mexican, a 24-year-old, uh, uh, sorry, no, uh, where was he from? New Ze uh, Kiwi, someone from New Zealand. And I just looked at them all and I thought to myself, where, where in the world would I have ever, ever gathered this group of people to do this thing? It's just not possible. It's, it's an impossible like constellation of humans and that to me sums it up you know in terms of the people you meet they were all totally different people from totally different walks of life uh with totally different cultures and background and it just made for such a beautiful experience so you essentially had the united nations of pilgrims there <laughs> yes exactly exactly yeah it's a i mean i i think i had a really really similar experience uh on the beach in finish there i mean when 
I walked the Camino Frances, so I ended up sleeping on the beach in Finisterre for six nights. Did you? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a, just, I thought, why not? Why not? It was the only time in my life I'd ever get to do anything like that. So I did. And similar to you, I mean, we had a Polish guy playing guitar, Spanish guy stoking the fire, me from, from England. Uh, one of our best friends that I met on the Camino was Hungarian, um, Austrians, Australians, Slovakians. I mean, it just, the list went on and on and on. And, oh, no, no, no. and I, I had a very, very similar thought process to, as well when I was in that moment. So it's, it's lovely to hear. And, and like you say, that's never going to happen probably in any other walk of life. And, and that's definitely the Camino magic of work. And I love the way you described it there, the constellation of people. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah beautiful words. Thanks for that. I might, Thank have to, you. I might have to steal that if you don't mind. But no, you I'm feel only, free. I'm only joking. Free. I'll credit you. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so describe the feeling when you arrived into Santiago. And in, not uh, only describe the feeling, but I also want you to, to relate that back to your pre-Camino challenges, all yeah. of them, and mm. how, where you, how, how you felt you'd traveled and evolved from the person that left to the person that arrived. Because I know for a fact that the person that arrived in Santiago for myself wasn't the person that left Santiago. So mm. how, was it for, how was it for you? You know, uh, at the risk of sounding like an old miser, I'm going to say uh, the arrival in, in Santiago was incredibly anticlimactic. It was so anticlimactic. And I knew it would be because I've lived just long enough to know that like when, when you fixate on a goal, it often, it, it very rarely lives up to your expectations. Uh, and you know, it's that old adage that the, the, the journey is the destination. And I think that it's never been truer than with the Camino de Santiago because arriving in Santiago, it felt good of course, and it was wonderful. And you've, you know, quote unquote, completed this journey. But it, you know, it was raining, it was miserable, it was, I was like under my poncho and I just, I hate walking in the rain when I hate being wet. And I arrived and I just, and you know, I arrived and as well, they were doing massive re uh, renovations on the cathedral. So the cathedral is just wrapped up in all these uh, 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 scaffolding and stuff. It really felt very anticlimactic and I knew it would and I prepared myself for that. And what I think I took away from that, and, and I'm actually very glad about that. I'm really glad because of course you get this question. Uh, from anyone who asks you about the, the Camino, or they, that's one of the first things they ask, what was it like to arrive? And I love being able to tell people it was totally anticlimactic and it, and it really didn't fulfill me with any sense of great achievement. Uh, if anything, I felt a bit flat. But I think that's a beautiful thing because I think that it, it is a, a true and genuine real manifestation of the reality that the Camino is not about getting to Santiago. It's about the Camino. It's about the time you spend. It's about the people you meet. It's about the thinking that you go through and the physical struggle and the pain and the hunger and the blisters. And it's all of that. And Santiago just happens to be the place where people call the journey over. But that's not what it's about. You know, it's not about mm -hmm. arriving there. And I hope that if anyone is ever thinking about going to Santiago and, and walking on the Camino, I hope that they have the same 
idea in mind the day that they set out. It's not about arriving in Santiago. Even when you get there, you'll probably feel like it doesn't meet all your expectations anyway. So don't worry about it. Just go and really enjoy the journey because that is the destination, of course. So you mentioned there it's about the, 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 your thinking process changing along the way. I mean, what kind of, if any, did... How did the Camino metamorphosize, or, or did it even metamorphosize your thoughts? And I'm not saying it happened necessarily when you arrived in Santiago, because sometimes mm. you don't realize things are not revealed immediately, as Caitlin Glendenin said a few podcast episodes ago, so beautifully described it. You know, all, these, all will be revealed, but maybe just not when you want it to. So how did it help you with those mental challenges, if any, if at all? Um, I, I definitely learned a lot from the Camino, but I, and I think a lot of what I learned came after the Camino. There was, uh, the, the, um, the, the Hospitalero in Bodenaya, actually, that, that one that I, that I recommended earlier, he gave a little speech before we had, or I think after dinner and it was beautiful. And he said, uh, el verdadero Camino empieza después de Santiago, mm. which means for those of you who don't speak Spanish, the true Camino begins after Santiago. And mm. I believe that that's extremely true. What the Camino did do is give me time and space to reflect and to solidify a lot of these mental processes and patterns that I and, and new behaviors uh, that I was building with my with my therapist. So the Camino just gave me space and time away from the distractions of everyday life. One of the hardest things about changing your mindset and changing the way you approach life is that you're surrounded by the world. You're surrounded by your life, jobs relationships, responsibilities, and you don't, you know, it's too exhausting to do all of those things and also at the same time fight the negative um, patterns that you have in your head. And what the Camino does or did for me is it's stripped away everything. You have nothing, you own nothing, you, you have no plans, there's no schedule to follow, there's nothing to crowd your mind. It's just you wake up, you put on your shoes, you grab your backpack and you're good. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing bad can happen. Nothing is there to distract you. So I really was able to take the time that I needed to focus on these new patterns and building new patterns and breaking away from old negative patterns, which were leading to, you know, which were leading to and caused by and catalyzing all at the same time, the depression and the anxiety that was plaguing me my entire life. And the Camino gave me the space to fight those and to cement better patterns. Hmm. So and I think a yeah. lot of what the Camino... Go ahead, please. No, no, no. So just to echo what you're saying, the the Camino gave you the stage, the platform to perform the the change the mental tasks that you need to do to yeah to, to change your your patterns of thinking. Should I say? Exactly. So just a, a quick example. You know, I I tended and you know it's I'm, obviously life is a journey, right? It's always mm. a process. So I'm not yeah. perfect and I'm not fixed or cured, but I'm much 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 better. Not specifically because of the Camino, but because of all the time. It's been three years now since I walked it. However, you know, before I went on the Camino, one of the things that I was working on with my therapist was negative thought patterns. You know, something bad that happens and your brain just goes, oh, well, you know, what's the point of trying? Why would I do that? Why would I, you know, write music? What's the point? I'm never going to make money from it anyway. So, oh, uh, and I'm a, oh, speaking of, I'm a terrible musician. And speaking of, all the music I've ever written is trash and I should throw it away. And speaking of, and you just go down this negative spiral. And when you're in your normal day-to-day -day life, you're triggered so easily by those things that trigger you. You're surrounded by so much stuff. You're so busy. You don't have the time or the energy to say, no, 
Like, I'm not going to think that way. That isn't true. Let me find a new way. Let me, let me, you know, let me get out of this. What, you know, it's not true that I, I should stop playing music just because I won't make money from it. Does playing music make me happy? Yes. And do I enjoy it? Yes. Then I should continue doing it. You see, and it's just a slightly different way of thinking. And, but it requires you to be present of mind enough and to have the space enough to stop your thoughts and to actively work against them. And it is work. Uh, and mm. I think the Camino provides the kind of place where that kind of work is much easier to do when you're alone and walking or when you're meeting new people uh, than it is when you're surrounded by all, all of the normal craziness of the day to day. And some of that, those challenges will be mentioned in your Camino journal, which is your book called Lost on the Way. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so tell us the story of how the book came about. Yeah, thank you for asking. Um, so the book is called Lost on the Way, uh, a, a journal from the Camino de Santiago. Uh, it's just come out uh, as an ebook, uh, a paperback, and an audio book. You can get all three, uh, however you like. Um, and the book itself is actually not a book in as much as it is a... a, a um, it is, I've published my Camino journal, the journal that I wrote while I was on the Camino. And, and as we spoke a little bit about uh, earlier, um, you know, when I left for the Camino, it was very much about tackling these demons and really putting the time into finding new ways of approaching my life, myself, my thoughts, my, my, um, my thoughts of self-worth and my, you know, really coming at my depression from a more pragmatic way. Um, and journaling is a great way to filter your thoughts. And in fact, it's a very powerful way to filter your thoughts. So my therapist and I decided it would be a good idea for me to take a journal and to write, you know, every day and really try to use it as a filter for all the things that would inevitably arise throughout the Camino. So uh, initially it was a very private document. It was just for me. I never intended to publish it. I never intended to make it public. But um, when I was done with the Camino and I read the journal again, I realized I'd learned so much and I'd grown so much and the Camino had provided me with so many lessons and the people that I met had provided me with so many lessons and so many messages of hope and, and positivity. Uh, I thought it would be morally remiss of me to keep it to myself. I feel that if I truly, in, in the true pilgrim spirit of you know helping others and giving whatever you can, whenever you can, um, I felt like this was a great act of that that same pilgrim mentality you know when you're on the camino if you need anything anyone will give you whatever they have everyone will always help you we, we you know we always joked when i was on the camino with my little camino family the camino provides as soon as you need something and you say it out loud the camino gives it to you whether it's a shoe or a shoelace or a cup of coffee or a fountain when your bottle is empty the camino always provides and it's because people give that the camino provides and i wanted to help people on their own caminos of life by providing what I could, which is my experience with depression, with mental health issues, with anxiety. So I decided to publish the journal because not everyone will have the privilege of walking the Camino, whether because they don't have the money, the time, the you know they have too many responsibilities in their life that they can't get away from. Uh, I felt that this was my way of giving back to the Camino, which gave me so much. And so it is a very personal, very, I mean, it is my journal and it is written, it was written as authentically and genuinely as I could possibly write it, because otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't do me any good. So every word of it, you know, is really the my authentic experience, both of life and the Camino itself. Uh, and it's full of, yeah, the experience, what it meant to walk the Camino and, and how I was doing in these battles against my negative thought patterns, my depression, my anxiety, my feelings of self, low self-worth, my questions of existential dread, where am I going, who am I, what's the next step? 
Uh, and it's sort of an amalgamation as well of everything I've ever learned about these issues from the therapy that I've done, from the books that I've read on, you know, depression, anxiety, self-help books, uh, everything. So it's, it's sort of like, um, a very condensed version of everything I know about depression and anxiety and what it means to battle these extremely powerful and dangerous, uh, mental illnesses. Would you feel comfortable reading maybe a paragraph, uh, that you feel might be pertinent to all of those previous points mentioned? I would. I would love to, uh, absolutely, if that's okay. The floor is yours, Blake. Go for it. So as I said, it's a journal. Uh, so every entry starts with, you know, uh, the, the day and the place and the time and the amount of kilometers walked. This is from September, Monday, September 18th, 2017. This is actually written on the day that I arrived in Santiago. Uh, and I wrote an addendum to this entry later. So just to give you a bit of context, uh, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I sort of renounced the Catholic religion when I was a young boy, and I've never really gone back to it. I'm not a personally a very big fan uh, for many personal reasons. Um, however, I did go to the Pilgrim Mass uh, when I arrived in Santiago because I thought it might add a little bit of weight to what is otherwise kind of an anticlimactic day. And I'm really glad that I did. And while I was there, I actually went, I, you know, I, I received the communion and I went to confession. I actually went and confessed to a priest. Um, uh, and I, I thought a lot about that and I wrote about it later, uh, what exactly was going on. Yes. So this is just a little bit about what I, what I wrote. Uh, so this is about the confession itself while walking today, it occurred to me that this confession was indeed a moment of absolution, but not from a higher power. It was a moment of absolution from myself. It was a moment in which I not only declared to the universe that I recognized the error of the way I've been living my life, living with myself and renounce the mistakes of my past. But I also forgave myself for a lifetime of transgressions against myself. I took that moment to wipe the slate clean, to start afresh, to begin this next phase of my Camino from a place of purity and self-love, from a place in which I have nothing to hold against myself, from a place in which there is no past to regret and only the rest of a lifetime to look forward to. Tears have felt at tears have seldom felt so cathartic. Absolutely beautiful. Lost on the Way by Blake Fahar. Go grab it now, everybody. And thank you for being brave enough and candid enough to share that very personal passage, Blake. So I think that's a, a brilliant place to end it there, Blake. I just want to wish you all the very best for your career as an author. Um, thank you. For whatever you're doing outside of that as well. Um, and as a life pilgrim as well. I mean, I, I know firsthand that when you have to battle things like depression and anxiety, um, that uh, the mind is a muscle that constantly needs training. That's um, right. And that, that's, that's some easier some days than others. Um, so I wish you all the luck and compassion and positivity, positivity in the world to be able to deal with that and to become a stronger, better person for it as well. Because I know how tough that is from my own personal experience. Sure. Um, and musically, where can the listeners listen to your music? So, I, yes, I'm a singer-songwriter and I write sad music about heartbreak and existential dread, <laughs> uh, traditionally. 
You can find all my music at uh, blakefarha.bandcamp.com. It's all streamable or downloadable. You can also follow me on Instagram, and there I post about, I, I am the host of several podcasts. I also do, I still create and write lots of music. I also um, write about my experience in the world and life and how I navigate the life of being a freelancer and an artist in a city as crazy and wild as Berlin, as well as how I navigate the world uh, inside my head. Um, I'm a huge advocate for mental health, uh, and I write a lot about my experience with mental health, as well as uh, review books on anything that I read, fiction, nonfiction, and I talk about what I've, what I've learned and what I've gained from them. Um, so you can find me on, on Instagram, at Blake Farha. And I would like to very quickly, if I may, just I, I feel it's really important, especially after talking so deeply about, you know, such heavy subjects as depression and suicide. I would really like to say to anyone listening who resonates with that, whether you have a friend or you yourself personally suffer from these things, you know, uh, it's been three years since I left the Camino and it has not been a beautiful, easy uh, journey. It's not like I went on the Camino and was healed and cleaned and I came back a new man. Of course not. Um, it's been a very difficult couple of years and it's really led to some very dark moments. But the last six months have, my life has turned around. I have really begun to see a happiness and a calm, and most importantly, a peace, a, just a general inner peace that I've never experienced before in my life. Um, and I'm saying all of that because I want anyone listening to know that it is possible if I could manage to begin to get control of these issues that have been my entire life been problematic anyone can. It is possible. There is help. Uh, and I think the first step to getting that help is talking about it, being honest about it, being open about it, which is why I'm so honest and candid about it, because I think I would have gotten help a long time ago uh, had I known that I had a problem in the first place. So I just uh, would like to end on that, that note of positivity and hope. And I'd like to add to that as well. Blake, you know, we're, we're part of the Pilgrim family. And if ever you feel like you need someone to just share anything with you know i'm always on call as well and you know I, I sincerely mean that because i've i've been there for other people and um i'm never saying i can solve anything but i can listen and that goes so far yeah well, <laughs> it, it really it, does it helps it really just, does just to, really does just to you know open that can and let out some steam you know that sometimes yeah. that, that's all that's needed so and having gone through similar not so intense challenges but i've I've definitely had my own mental health challenges and mm. some days are better than others. Um, and, you know, so I think it's always important just to say, look, you know, you've got a pilgrim brother here um, and the, the, line, the line's never busy. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I really appreciate that. And on that note, I'm just going to wish you, which I think the Camino motto could never be more pertinent than to say, <laughs> move forward with courage, my friend. You can do it. You have done it and you will continue to do it. Ultra. Thank you very much. Likewise. Buen camino. <laughs> <laughs>